I just thankful that uh, we're able to come here, uh, the uh, Barrientes and, and our family, and um, God willing, in the months to come, we'll we'll keep keep helping out whichever, however we can. Um, just thankful and grateful that the Lord is preserving the work, moving forward, and and I just praise God for that. Uh, all right, well, I'm a, I'm gonna pray. <clears throat> Father God, Lord. I ask you, Lord, please settle our hearts, settle my heart, Lord. Help us, help, help me, convict me, convince me of, of your truth, your word, Lord, that your word says that it, it doesn't come back void. It will accomplish its purpose. It's a double-edged sword, Lord, doing, doing what my words cannot do, Lord. Lord, we're asking for your power, for your spirit, Lord, to be present. You would help us in this time. Please help us to glorify you on this day. In the name of your Son, amen. Thank you. This is a help as well, water. (laughs) Should have probably drank some before I walked in. Well, uh, those of you who were here last time, if you remember, I was in the book of Jude, and so I, I, yeah, I, I thought to continue that, and so we'll be in Jude verse 8, Jude being the book right before Revelation, Jude verse 8, and it says, yet in like manner, These people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. Can you all hear me okay? Or is is this mic go? It's not on? Okay. All right. Let me read it again. Yet in like manner... These people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. So I mentioned to Raymond and maybe some others, but I don't see Raymond here, but I I mentioned that I work doing dialysis. So I'm a nurse, I, I do dialysis. And I don't know how much you all know about dialysis, but... People are there in their treatment, give or take four hours, right? And trying to make a little comfortable uh, chair, kind of leaning back. And so what happens during four hours of just doing dialysis? Well, some of you might assume there's a lot of sleeping going on. (laughs) Lots of people sleeping, especially the first hour or the first uh, shift, they call it. Lots of sleeping. I mean, it's very common, especially in the first shift, that you look and everybody's asleep. All right? Makes sense. What is something that goes hand in hand with sleep? A lot of times people dream. Makes sense? There's a lot of dreaming going on. And one man in particular, one patient in particular, I can recall, he's not a patient of mine anymore, but I can recall looking at him 
trying to do what I'm doing uh, with the dialysis machine and then looking over and hearing him talk in his dream. Okay? <laughs> you can tell he's in a dream. He's in a vivid dream. I mean, this isn't, a foreign, this isn't a foreign concept. This isn't foreign to each and every one of us. We understand. We know that. We can, we can see it in others. We can wake up from a dream. Right? So what happens when somebody is dreaming? Well, eventually, they wake up. They snap back into reality. Now, question. Can you imagine not being able to snap back into reality? Could you imagine that? Just take a nightmare, if you could recall a nightmare that you've had. Not being able to snap back for re, uh, to reality. Say that you kept living as though your, your dream was reality. Let's just say for the next day, the next 24 hours. That'd be kind of crazy, huh? Well, in the spiritual realm, there are those who live their lives as though they never woke up from their dreams. They live their lives as though they are continual, continually in a fantasy fictional dream world. From our text today, we see very clearly that false teachers are dreamers. We see that in Jude. My hope for this message today, my hope for all of us here, however many come and are here, my hope from this message is that we would be better equipped to identify false teachers, dreamers. Why do we want to identify? Why do we want to be equipped to identify false teachers? Why? Well, we want to expose them. Why do we want to expose them? Because if you remember from the last message... I refer to false teachers as terrorists. Why do we want to expose them? Because terrorists have the potential to create harm, damage to the church. So we want to expose them before they cause any damage. Make sense? So I've entitled my message today, Unmasking False Teachers as Dreamers. And again, when I was here last time, I think it was, what, a few four or five months ago, I, I can't recall, something, something along those lines, uh, four or five months ago. Um, we looked, and one, one of the messages we looked at verse 3 of Jude, and the other one we looked at verse 4. So I just want to, if you're in Jude, just look down at verse 3 and 4, because this will help us. This is pivotal to the rest of the book. Okay, so verse 3 and 4. It says there, Beloved, Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. In this letter, like we talked about last time, Judas making his appeal for us, for believers, for the church, to war for the truth. And each and every one of us need a daily reminder that we are currently actively, as you sit here today, as I stand here, we are currently involved in a war, in a spiritual war. Remember what Paul said in, in Ephesians chapter 6. He said this, 
We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, clearly, we all are in this war. We need to recognize how serious and urgent this war is. Flesh and blood war is of earthly consequence, right? Flesh and blood war is earthly consequence, but this war here, eternal consequence, eternal life and death hang in the balance. And that's precisely why, if you look again in verse 3, it's precisely why Jude says, I found it necessary. Necessary, completely necessary, not optional. He didn't say it might be possibly a good idea for you to consider. He didn't say that, did he? He said, I found it necessary. Jude 4 says there that false teachers crept in unnoticed. Creeping in, they were creeping in, they're still creeping in. So, question for us today, are we prepared to identify, are we prepared to unmask false teachers when they come into the church? Again, this is not the job only of the pastor. It's not. And Jude writes this letter to help us on this mission, to help us all on this mission. Jude helps us peel back the mask of false teachers in order to expose them. So the first key, the first key that we see here in Jude is that these false teachers are described as dreamers. Okay, so he gives, following that, in verse 8, three characteristics regarding the dreamers. First, we see there that dreamers are immoral. Second, dreamers are insubordinate. And third, dreamers are irreverent. So verse 8, look at the beginning there. If you have the ESV, it says yet. Yet is a conjunction, right? It's indicating a connection between the previous verses, what he had stated before, and what he's about to say. Yet in like manner, these people also. What people? Who is he referring to? Who is he talking about here? Well, if you go back to verse 4, this is where it starts. People crept in unnoticed into the church. They are described as ungodly people. They are described as those who pervert the grace of God into sensuality. They are described as denying our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And following that, you see 5, 6, and 7. You see examples of Israel, the example of the angels, and of Sodom and Gomorrah. So the connection, what we see in verse 8 of these people, it starts in verse 4, and it continues throughout the book. So Jude is going to give us, in verse 8 right here, what we have before us, three characteristics of how false teachers act, how they operate as dreamers. Again, in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams. Okay, so the first thing about dreamers, just take dream, dreamers, relying on their dreams in and of itself. These people, these dreamers, they don't trust, they don't rely, they don't depend, they don't put all their confidence on the Word of God. Contrary to that, 
we see what do they rely on? What do they depend on? They rely, they trust, they depend. They put all their confidence where? In their dreams. They are completely, not partially, completely governed by subjectivity. Right? What they think and how they feel inward. And it's all motivated by selfish ambition. The exact opposite, the extreme direct opposite direction of people who are submissive to the Word of God, who have a submissive disposition to Scripture. So these people who rely on their dreams, they live in a fictional fantasy dream world. They don't live in reality. There's no place for reality. There's no place for sola scriptura in the dream world. It's all about self, looking inward, selfish ambition. Just look at, or listen to John MacArthur and what he says about this verse specifically. He says this, Jew does not use the word for a dream which refers to purposeful or significant dreaming as when, Jew, as when God spoke to the Old Testament prophets through dreams. Rather, the word means a confused state of the soul or an abnormal imagination producing dreams in which the ego is controlled and held captive by ungodly sensual confusion. So like we see in verse 4, these ungodly people pervert the grace of God into sensuality. These people, the false teachers, they're enslaved to, they're completely, like John MacArthur said, held captive by, they're co completely consumed by their passions, their lusts. And therefore, because of that, again, ego, selfish ambition, because of what's going on within, in their sinful, wicked state, because of that, they pervert the grace of God into sensuality. Because of that, they rely not on the Word of God, not on Scripture, but on their supposed dreams. So they twist the, God, the Word of God, they twist and pervert the grace of God, and they basically make things up as they go. Whichever way their passions and their desires and their lust and their wickedness leads them, that's the way that they twist and try to mold Scripture to fit their agenda. Now here's an example. I want to just state an example for us to kind of enter into this and understand it a little bit more. Um, Bobby may, may know who I'm referring to. Hey, there was a man who was a part of Grace Community Church years ago. Many, including myself, probably Bobby as well, we looked up to this brother, or to this man, I should say, as a mature brother in Christ. We looked at him in high regard, with respect. One day, this man attempted to convince me that it would be right and appropriate for him to divorce his wife. His wife apparently had some mental health problems. And so I realized, based on the conversation I had with him, that there was absolutely no legitimate ground for a divorce, none whatsoever. So I reminded him of what the scripture taught on this subject. After I reminded him of scripture that he was very familiar with, he proceeded to look outside of the word of God and relied on his subjective 
feelings in order to justify his actions. You know what happened sometime later? Soon after, I, it, came, it came to light and I was aware that all around that conversation, before that conversation, during that conversation, after that conversation, he was involved in, a, in an adulterous relationship, in an affair. All around that conversation. You see the connection there. His lust, his passions, his wicked desires led him. That's what led him to rely, not on the Word of God, not on Scripture, but on his subjective feelings, on his imagination, living in this dream world. Those who rely on their dreams as opposed to the Word of God Instead of the Word of God, they rely and trust in their dreams. These people, they become deaf and blind to reality. They don't want to see, they don't want to hear the truth. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm sure we all have heard this, or maybe even many of us have said this ourselves, my God is a loving God. He's a loving God. And he would never, ever send anyone to hell. Or fill in the blank, whatever people say. You guys have all... Raise your hand if you have not heard that before. Raise your hand if you have heard that before. Okay, good. People are awake. That's good. It's good to know we're awake. Okay, so people say things like this. My God is a loving God and would never send anyone to hell. Well, the God that's being described there is a figment of their own imaginations. The God that exists there exists only in their dreams. That's what we say, right? I'm the greatest basketball player on earth. Yeah, in your dreams. It's not real. It's not reality, right? What are they basing this on, this idea on? What are they basing it on? There's no objective reality. There's no objective truth in that statement. They are relying on their own imagination. They are relying on their dreams. They look to themselves inward as to what is right and what is wrong. What is left and what is right. What God is saying and what He's not saying. They look inward. Christians don't do that. Christians don't look ultimately to themselves. That's not the characteristic of the Christian. The Christian looks outside of themselves to the Word, the objective truth, the Word of God. Here's something else that many say. You hear this, very, it's very common on the TV, TVN or whatever. Um, you probably have heard this on TVN or maybe other people have told you something like this. God has told me and showed me in a vision, in a dream, etc. And they go on and then they just clearly contradict what God has clearly stated in His Word. Let's consider dreams some more. Dreams in and of themselves, they are revealed, by their very nature, they're revealed to the one who has the dream only, exclusively. Dreams are only, the dreamer is the only one who has the dream revealed. Therefore, the only way for anyone else outside of self to know the dream is if the dreamer himself reveals it to them. So it's a secret knowledge. 
No one else has it. This is what this means. If hypothetically I have a dream and I have truth revealed to me in that dream, hypothetically, you are now, all of you are now dependent on me to have the truth. And that's scary. That's exactly what Joseph Smith, Mary Baker Eddy, Jehovah Witness, Benny Hinn, so on and so forth, whoever else, that's exactly what they want. They want you to depend on them, not on the Word of God, not on Scripture. But again, going back to the root of the issue. The root of the issue. Why is it that they go on into this fantasy, fictional, dream world? Why is it that they want you to depend on them? Why? It's because the root of the issue is they themselves are ungodly people. That's the root of the issue. They're ungodly. And what I mean is, it's not as though they, from the outside, have a dream, somehow it just comes to them, and then as a result of that dream, they become ungodly people. No, they are ungodly people, and therefore, because of that, they dream dreams. They are ungodly people and therefore they rely on their dreams. They are ungodly people and therefore, like verse 4 says, they pervert and twist the grace of God's scriptures into sensuality. That's important. Don't be deceived and think that false teachers and these dreamers, they really, really, really want to know the truth. They really, really want to know the truth. But they just, they, they just can't come to grips of what the truth is and they, they can't see it. No. These people believe the lies because they are ungodly people and because they are led astray by their various lusts, passions, and pleasures, wicked sinfulness. We'll continue in verse 8. You guys with me so far? Yes? Haven't lost anybody too, too much? Verse 8, continuing in verse 8. We see there that dreamers are immoral. These people relying on their dreams, what's the next part say? Defile the flesh. Alright, we're awake, yes? Defile the flesh. Defile means to stain, to pollute, to corrupt. Now, when this word is used in connection or right by, right with the word flesh, it always has to do with sexual immorality, okay? So false teachers and sexual immorality go hand in hand. We shouldn't be surprised in the least when the news comes out about a certain particular false teacher and it comes out that he was in some sort of adulterous relationship. Now, many do keep it hidden for a while. Some even keep it hidden so that here on earth, men, they're, they're not exposed before men here on earth. Many people can do that. You can do that. Yet, we know the reality. We believe God. We believe His Word. We have faith in Him, and there's a reality, right? Not a fictional dream world. There's a reality in which it will be naked and exposed before the eyes of Him to whom we all must give accounts. It's a reality. It's truth. Not fiction. God will judge. And they will be exposed. They will be naked before Him. Listen to another example of a false teacher who was caught in adultery. This is, this is pretty crazy. 
This false teacher right now is currently in prison. At least last time I checked, I wouldn't see why he wouldn't be still in prison. This man, he had Bible studies, right? He had regular prayer meetings, and he eventually ended up having more intense and committed Bible studies, prayer meetings with a particular woman. Now, this woman was a married woman. You likely know where I'm going at with this. He had an adulterous relationship with her during the whole time of his Bible studies and prayer meetings. This man ended up murdering her husband. They were able to keep it hidden for a bit. But the police, they ended up suspecting. There was clues left and right which led them to this man being the murderer. So they were, the police, they were able to secretly record conversations between this man and this woman. And in the conversations, in the recordings, it was, they were communicating back and forth ways of covering up this murder. During the conversation, this is what he did. Listen to this. He prayed with this woman. <laughs> he quoted the Bible with this woman. And he prayed that God would give them courage and strength and boldness as they spoke to the authorities about covering up this murder. Amazing. He quoted the Bible. <laughs> this man... <laughs> He wasn't living in reality. He was living in a fictional fantasy dream world as his lusts and passions and pleasures led him away. This man indulged in sexual immorality and bowed down to the God of his imagination. But Israel did the same exact thing. Verse 5 of Jude. You don't need to go too far back. Israel did the same exact thing. Numbers 25. Israel whored after the daughters of Moab. Right after this, it says that they bowed down. I'm sorry, did I say God? Let me read that again. I think I misspoke. Numbers 25 says, Israel whored after the daughters of Moab. And then right after that, it says that they bowed down to their gods. So there's a connection, very clearly, with Israel's lust, passions, wicked desires, and bowing down to false gods. Israel, pa Israel's passion, the nation of Israel, their passion led them to whore after false gods. And that's exactly what false teachers do. Whether it's a physical statue that they bow down to or not, they always end up with a fictional fantasy god of their imagination in their dream world. Israel was involved in sexual immorality. Verse 7, just look down at the verse before. Verse 7. Sodom and Gomorrah was also involved in sexual morality. Again, it, it may be possible that they're not caught in this lifetime. It's even possible that they appear clean on the outside. Isn't that how the Pharisees appear to many people? Whitewashed tombs, outwardly appearing beautiful, but within are full full of dead men's bones. Yet dreamers, even though this may be uh, uh, the appearance, some people might view false teachers in this way, yet dreamers, false teachers are immoral. 
exposing and unmasking, which we want to do, false teachers, we want to expose and unmask them, it includes detecting immorality. Well, next in the verse, you with me in the verse, verse 8? Next part, it says there, reject authority. Dreamers, they're insubordinate. The word authority in the Greek is closely connected with the word, with the word kurias. You guys familiar with that word, kurias? Jesus, yes. I, I see Kinsey. Jesus is kurias. Jesus is Lord. They reject lordship. Now, this is ultimately the lordship of Jesus Christ himself. We see in verse 4, they deny, if you look at verse 4, they deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. False teachers, ultimately, they don't submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't submit to the word of God. They don't do that. Now, the Lord of the universe, God, the sovereign one, he has sovereignly placed and ordained for different people in our lives to be over us in authority. Each and every one of us. And listen to Romans 13.1. You don't have to turn there. You can jot it down if you want. It says there, <clears throat> Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So those in our lives, in a position of authority over us, over you, they have this authority and it's been granted to them by who? By Satan? By who? who? Yeah, God. God gave them this authority. False teachers, they don't submit to authority. Whether it be the Lord Jesus Christ or any authority under Him. They reject authority. They reject lordship. Now, this does not necessarily mean that those in authority will be automatically godly or Christ-like. That's not necessarily the case. First Peter chapter 3, it says there that wives, talking about wives um, submitting to their husbands, and in the context there, it's very clear. He's, ta he's talking about unbelieving husbands, ungodly husbands. The context is clear. So our ultimate authority is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Scripture is our final authority. If any authority under the Lord would command us, so what I'm getting at is if any authority under the Lord commands us contrary to the Scripture, what should we do? There are, there are authority, and they're telling us to do something that Scripture would tell us not to do. What should we do? Do we obey them? What did Peter say in Acts? He said we must obey who? God rather than man. So any authority under the Lord Jesus, under Scripture, tells us to do something Outside of Scripture, contrary to Scripture, we must declare this reality that we must obey God rather than man. False teachers reject lesser authorities, which reveals, which proves, it demonstrates that they are ultimately rejecting whose authority? God's authority, right? It's kind of like, I mean, we've got families here, and i got my wife and kids. It's kind of like if my kids reject my wife's authority, 
by default, they are rejecting my authority, right? So I'm the one who placed my wife. I chose my wife, and my wife has these kids, and they're in char- she's in charge of them, right? And, and if they reject her authority, they are rejecting my authority. Now, we're living in a day and an age where rejection of authority is basically publicly celebrated it's that there's no way around i mean we we see it everywhere around us they're they're rejecting authority and they're celebrating it there's no shame in their insubordination and rejection of authority nowadays even some professing christians are protesting for example police officers Romans 13 says there, there's no authority except from God. So those who partake in this wicked protest, they're ultimately uh, protesting who? They're rejecting who? They're rejecting God, because God is the one who placed them there. Now, think about church leaders, deacons, pastors. They have been placed in authority in our lives, right? If there are authorities, we need to submit right we shouldn't be like the unbelieving dreamers false teachers who reject authority many people and i know this to be true experiential i know people from my experience i know people who will not have a pastor be over them there that's their disposition they they will not do they will not submit to authority they don't want a spiritual elder People with that disposition, with that characteristic, who go on and will not have a pastor, will not have a spiritual elder be over them, they always go on to apostatize. It's a harsh word, but it's the truth. People who continue in that state go on to apostatize. It's not a light matter. This is the spirit, rejection of authority, this is the spirit of false teachers. False teachers reject authority. They ultimately, again, reject Christ's lordship. They ultimately reject Scripture's authority. And it manifests in the rejection of all lesser authorities. Reflecting on this reality of authority, here's a question for each and every one of us here today. How do you, how do, how do we speak about our authorities? How do we speak about our authorities? Do we speak in such a way so as to honor them before others? Or do we speak in such a way so as to bring them down before others? Believe me, again, this is not a light issue. This is the spirit of the false teachers that we see here in Jude. Listen to Numbers chapter 12. It says there that Aaron and Miriam spoke against Moses and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. Being characterized, again, being characterized of rejection of authority means that you have the anger of the Lord kindled against you. Being characterized in this way, going on in this way. Now, you may disagree with your authorities at times. This is, this is true. We, we know this from experience as well. We, we disagree with them at times. But that, that's not the question. The question is, do you submit to their authority, the authority that God has placed over you? Now, of course, there are some authorities that are more permanent, like 
husband and wife relationship. There are others that, that legitimately you, could, you can transition, right, into another authority, and that would be appropriate and right, because there are some times where you cannot submit to some authorities, and it's appropriate and right for you to transition. But the question is, do you submit to authority? Israel, they murmured. They complained in the wilderness. They rebelled against the authority of Moses and Aaron. Time and time and time again, if you just read that account, it's amazing how many times they went back, they went back, and they went back to uh, complaining, grumbling, murmuring, and unbelief. The angels, they rebelled against God. In verse 6, they left their proper dwelling. God assigned to them a position, and they rebelled. They wouldn't have God as the authority telling them what to do. Sodom and Gomorrah, they rebelled against the truth that was revealed to them, even, even if it was down to their own conscience. Romans chapter 1, it says there that uh, homosexuality, uh, people are given over to it after suppressing the truth that they already know in unrighteousness. The authority of truth, in the example of Sodom and Gomorrah, was suppressed and rejected. Sodom and Gomorrah did not submit to truth. They rejected authority. False teachers reject authority. And unmasking false teachers, dreamers, involves detecting a rebellious spirit. Okay, last part of the verse. And blaspheme the glorious ones. Dreamers are irreverent. Dreamers are immoral, first part. Dreamers are immoral as they defile the flesh. Second, they're insubordinate, rejecting authority. And lastly, dreamers are irreverent as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Blasphemy. What does that mean? What enters into your, our minds when we think of blasphemy? The word means um, to profane, to curse, to bring down that which is holy or sacred. They treat, we're talking about the false teachers, they treat glorious beings in such a way so as to bring them down. They overlook their glory, their power, their might. And on top of that, if that's not enough, they seek to elevate themselves over them, over and above these glorious beings. The word in the Greek for glorious ones is the word doxa. Does that sound familiar? Doxa. Anybody might know the connection there with doxa? This word has to do with praise, glory, glorious, honor, worship, doxology. The context is clear here. Judah speaking about blaspheming uh, angels. Just look at verse 9, the very next verse. Gives us uh, some help. It says there, But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Get this, he's talking, Michael, the archangel. Who was, he, who was his opponent, opponent right then and there? It was Satan, it says. Right? Okay, so, so get this. Fallen angels, even Satan himself, are referred to as glorious ones. <laughs> There's a sense in which we can have an irreverence and a disrespect 
towards Satan and the fallen angels. Just think about, again, verse 9. The great archangel Michael, he himself didn't even presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment against the devil. Listen to the parallel. There's a parallel in 2 Peter chapter 2. The parallel is speaking of the false teachers. And it says in verse 10, Bold and willful, these are the false teachers, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. These dreamers, they don't tremble. They don't tremble. Far from that, no way. They don't, they, they're on the other extreme there. They don't tremble. They carelessly, flippantly, arrogantly, ignorantly speak blasphemy against the glorious beings. While even those greater in might and power wouldn't even think to do such a thing. Remember what we see in Hebrews chapter 2. Jesus was made for a while lower than the angels in his incarnation. This means that men, at least here on earth, are lower than the angels. Peter says that the angels are greater, says very clearly that they're greater in might and in power. Yet, despite this reality, the dream world, they don't live in this reality. They live in their dream world. And these dreamers stand... In spite of this reality of what we see about the angels' might and glory, they stand with their chest raised as though they can go toe-to-toe with the devil. TBN is filled with this common, common foolishness of foolish, arrogant, dreaming false teachers. Many on this channel, and we see it in, we, just, we just see it throughout this world, people doing this, but many on this channel, you can flip it on and see someone behind the pulpit with a Bible in their hand, with no tremble in their voice, no fear, no hesitation, nothing of that, while they flippantly, arrogantly, ignorantly blaspheme doxa. Dreamers are irreverent as they blaspheme the glorious one. Israel, they were irreverent as well in, in many different ways. We can, we can choose many examples from the story there. But one way is they made for themselves, they crafted for themselves a golden calf to be their God. Utter blasphemy. They blasphemed God. They cursed Him to and spit at His face in order to have this golden calf. Sodom and Gomorrah, they blasphemed as they sought sexual relations with angels. They pursued, think about this, they pursued the angels even after the angels struck them blind. <laughs> I mean, you don't just get struck blind and think that's, that's nothing. There's something supernatural going on here and yet I'm going to continue to pursue these angels. That's what they did. Completely irreverent. False teachers 
are dreamers. And therefore, they do not see doxa. They do not see the glorious ones with the right perspective. They are completely wrapped up in their dreams and therefore they are delusional about what is reality. Remember John MacArthur said a confusion, a confusional state of their being. That's what they are. They're confused and they're delusional about reality. You see this when people dream dreams. They don't understand what reality is. They live in a dream world. And in this dream world, they command God. They command the devil. They name it and claim it. They, uh, they grab it, they blab it and grab it, or whatever you, you say, all the things that they do. They do all these things, right? They command Satan and the demons where to go, how to go, when to go, what to do. They tell them. They stomp on the devil. They bind the devil along with all their de- his demons. They brag to everybody on that channel and they just tell everybody how they handled the devil. But guess what? All that they do in their dream world. They do it in their fictional, delusional dream world. They don't do that in reality. Remember this. We talked about in the beginning, imagine if you were able to, or if you continued in your dream for 24 hours. <laughs> That's, that would be crazy. But remember, dreams don't last forever. They typically are very quick. Just like my patients on that dialysis, I see them falling asleep and dreaming. Just like that, They're bound to wake up from their dreams. They're bound to snap back to reality. And when dreamers are woken up from their dream, they are woken up to reality. But unfortunately, many, many will be woken up to the reality in hell. Christian, us here who profess the name of Jesus Christ, you who are enlisted in this war for the truth, We cannot become passive. You cannot become passive in this war for the truth. We have to know the characteristics of false teachers. If you don't know the characteristics, if you're completely blinded to them, how can you expose them? How can you unmask them? You want to unmask false teachers as dreamers. Exposing them is a loving thing to do. right? It shows we love God and His truth, and His Word. It shows that we hate false doctrine and error. It shows that we love His sheep and want to protect His flock. Dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. If we are not able to wake a particular dreamer up from their dream, we're not able to do that. If they will not wake up, then we have a duty to expose them as dreamers before they come in and damage the church. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I I thank you, Lord, for your word, for your truth, that we can depend, that we can rely, that we do rely on your word, on your truth, Lord, and not on a fictional, uh, something that's subjective, something that we have to look and hunt inside of us in order to discover it, Lord. But we have your truth revealed to us, Lord. I pray that it would be a light into our path, Lord, that you would uh, uh, make our, our path clear 
through your word. In the name of your Son, amen.